the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Next year all our troubles will be out of sight. Next year our troubles will be out of sight. Have yourself a I'm laughing because my technical director, a.k.a. engineer, said, yeah, they will. <laughs> Mimi will have worse problems, and these problems will be out of sight. Hello, everybody. Last show prior to Christmas. And, of course, uh, my staff uh, will be off in the, as an act of incredible altruism. I have opted to take off so that those guys can have Christmas in the next day. Actually, it's, I'm, I'm being self... Uh, actually, the butt of my own joke. We're all, we're all happy to take the day off. There's no question about it. One day, one day I should do a show on the life of a talk show host and why it's a rarefied profession. But I'd like to talk to you today on this final day prior to Christmas about the decline in religious activity in the United States of America. Fewer Americans attend church weekly than at any time in American history. I pointed out to my fellow Jews that when Americans went to church, Jews were more secure. The, uh, the Judeo-Christian America that we've had, if you want to call it Christian America, it was in values Judeo-Christian, and it's part of the reason America's Christianity was so much more pro-Jewish than Europe's Christianity historically, because that was not nearly as Judeo-based as the American Christianity. You just read the Founding Fathers on, quote, unquote, the Hebrews or the Israelites, Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin, neither of whom were Trinitarian Christians, designed a great seal of the United States of America. You can see it on the internet. And the seal depicts the Israelites, Hebrews, Jews, whatever term you wish to use, leaving Egypt, being guided at night by a pillar of fire. And to think that two of the least doctrinally Christian founders were so steeped in the Hebrew Bible is, is an idea of how much 
this was a Judeo-Christian country. And there is not a single positive aspect to the decline in religious activity and faith in the United States. Notice I put activity before faith because I am more action-oriented. Whatever people's doubts with regard to faith, going to church each week was more important, in my view, not in everybody's, than how much they believed. I judge people by their behavior rather than by their theology or level of faith. So I want to talk to you today about that decline. I'll bet virtually every one of you who is religious either has in your immediate family or knows a family where at least one of the children has left religion. So this is what I have done all of my life to persuade people to take the Bible seriously. That has, my, my agenda has not been specifically to make anyone a member of any given faith. How people express their, their biblical-based beliefs is, from my perspective, their business. My business is to get them to take biblical beliefs and values seriously. For me, the Bible is the bigger issue even than God. There are vast numbers of people around the world who believe in God, and it has nothing to do with the God of the Bible. It's usually some deity in heaven uh, whom they invoke for protection, and that's that's not what uh, the purpose of belief is. So I want to talk to you about what has happened and what we can do about it. I have been successful with very, very many people, but not nearly, 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 nearly enough. I don't walk around thinking how how many people I've influenced. I think much more about how many people I have not. But I know how to influence some people, at least. And let me give you my methodology, and you can... You are free, indeed welcome, to react and to give your own testimony to some alienated child that you might have. So my approach, first of all, has been entirely toward the intellect. Uh, I, I don't know any other approach because it is my mind that has given me faith. I approach God through the mind, much more than through the heart. Now, I, I'm well aware that my approach will not work with everybody, but it certainly works with many bodies, an appeal to the mind, because many people in the modern age use their mind to reject God, the Bible, etc., so if the mind, if they think that it is their mind that cannot accept God, God-based morality, etc., then I have to appeal to their mind. If the mind is the source of the rejection, then the mind has to be approached, right? Right? 
so the the number one in my approach to having people take religion, specifically the Bible, seriously, is through uh, the intellect. That's why I title my biblical commentary. Three out of five volumes are out. The fourth volume is coming out next year. The first five books, because they're the basis of everything else. Everything, everything, and everything. It's called the Torah, and uh, I call it the Rational Bible, because I use reason to make the case for why it is the greatest work ever written, and it's transformative if you take its values seriously. From the beginning, from the very first sentence, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The amount that is stated in that sentence is is astonishing. It didn't all come about on its own. It is amazing that people who reject God as irrational, not provable, that's their their famous statement. Can you prove to me God exists? Of course not. But I, I, I can prove to you beauty exists. I can't prove to you a whole host of positive things. I can't prove to you that the good and evil exist. Where's the proof? Show me Show me the measuring stick. Show me the, the chemical bases. What is the chemical constituents? What are the chemical constituents of good or evil? There is very little that matters that can be proven. But there are arguments that are persuasive. And I try to make those. But that sentence alone says so much. It means that God created nature. God is above nature. An amazing thing because in every ancient world, in every ancient society, God was a natural deity. God of rain, God of wind, the sun god, the moon god, etc., So the first thing I have done, and many people have not done, in trying to make the case, and I don't blame them at all, they they don't know how. You can't do what you don't know how to do. But my first approach is through the mind, through the intellect, and it is about the truths, the moral and theological truths that emanate from the Bible. This is not an ad for my, this this hour is not an ad for my Bible commentary, but I will nevertheless mention it because everything is in there that I can throw at the the mind of a skeptic. It's called the Rational Bible. We'll We'll be back. My friends, I'm asking you to go online to DennisPrager.com and click on the Angel Tree Christmas banner to help make Christmas a reality for children with a mother or father in prison this holiday season. When you give today, your tax-deductible donation will combine with that of my other listeners to give 17,000 children of prisoners the joy of an Angel Tree Christmas, a special Christmas gift plus the Bible and a personalized note from their incarcerated parent. 
It's a be- very beautiful thing this Christian organization is doing. You don't have to be a Christian to believe it's beautiful. So please call 888-206-2801, 888-206-2801, or go to DennisPrager.com and click on the Angel Tree banner to bless a child this Christmas. Thank you. Okay, Dennis Prager here, and I'm talking to you about the alienation of so many young Americans, more than ever, from religion. And my approach on how to bring people to religious faith, whether they express it uh, as Catholics or, or, well, I I always find that interesting that it's called Catholics or Christians. I thought Catholics or Christians, but so Protestants, Evangelicals, LDS, uh, Jews. What? That's not my my priority. My priority is for people to take the Bible seriously. As you know, I believe that if people lived by the Ten Commandments, the world would be heavenly don't need much more than the Ten Commandments. But we have not approached religion in that way. Most religious people are religious because they uh, were raised it, and so it's a sort of habit, a beautiful habit in many cases, but nevertheless habit. It's not intellectually conceived and in, therefore not intellectually argued. And that's that I believe has taken its toll. Also taken its toll has been the thoroughgoing secular education that young people have had uh, in America and in the West. You are taught to be secular. You are taught to be irreligious in American schools from elementary school through college. People with faith sent their kids to school and for decades now, many decades, did not realize that they were sending their children to places that had the opposite values of the home. It was just a a way of getting them some education, or so they believed, and taking care of the kids for the day. Otherwise, the parents would have to take care of the kids, and that's not feasible, certainly not when both parents are working outside the home. 1-8-Prager-776. Why do you think your child or grandchild is alienated from religion? 1-8-Prager-776-877-243-776. The, the the speeches that many of the pa- the pastors and priests and rabbis would give they didn't make the case for the religion this falling away is is universal it's taking place among catholics protestants and jews the general way in which, even though there were many fewer Jews, but it's the general way in which the country has been divided religiously throughout the the 20th century and into the current. 
The people who have survived the secular onslaught have been the ones who have been the most committed to religious faith, who have given over to the child the belief that there is a God and that this is important. For example, you need to say to your children, you need to have said, apparently, this is where secularism stands and this is where our religious beliefs stand. They are not the same. If the child hears secularism all day, comes home and does his or her homework, and the only time religion raises its head, as it were, is on Sundays, uh, and uh, and the uh, I guess Easter and, and and Christmas, if you will. But if if you go to church Easter and Christmas only, there's no denying that you can be a beautiful person, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you're saying to your child that the faith behavior, religious behavior, is not that important. And I, I, I would love to know, among any of these groups, if a Jew took their child every Saturday to synagogue versus a Jew who took their child to synagogue on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur or Yom Kippur, depending on your pronunciation of it. I'd like to know the batting averages of those two groups in, in having their kids remain committed to the religion. But many people thought, well, it doesn't matter because we could take the values of the religion, but we don't need the bases like the Bible or God. This was the gigantic error of the last over 100 years. We'll take religious values, but we don't need God and the Bible. We don't need faith or religious behavior. It was an error that is so enormous and should have been so obvious, but it wasn't. I can't think of an analogy of I'll take your values, but I won't take where it comes from. The the best analogy is one that I have used all of my life, because I've been speaking about this since my 20s, and the that is cut flower ethics. And it's not mine. I read it in a book by Will Herberg, and I think he read it somewhere. And the cut flower ethic is we could take the ethics of the Judeo-Christian religions, but we don't need the soil, the religious soil that gave us those ethics. That was the boo-boo of the 20th century. This Christmas, the new film from director George Clooney arrives. It's a rags-to-riches, absolute crowd-pleaser based on the number one New York Times best-selling book, The Boys in the Boat. 
the inspirational true story about one of the most difficult sports in the world, and the 1936 University of Washington College rowing team that competed for gold in the Summer Games in Berlin will inspire you. This team rowed out of need, need to eat, need to sleep, and it gave them an edge that captures the power of working together to overcome all odds while rowing for America. They don't make movies like this anymore, and it's filled with wholesome content that makes it the ideal multi-generational movie for the holidays. Joel Edgerton and Callum Turner star in this exciting and incredible story of courage, hard work, and determination showcasing America at its best. Believe in each other, believe in the impossible. The Boys in the Boat opens Christmas Day in theaters only. Get tickets now, boysintheboatmovie.com. Well, another great Christmas song. So on this last broadcast prior to Christmas, I thought I would devote it to the alienation of so many young people, including perhaps one or more of your children, from religion. And my approach to making the case and bringing people to it. Let me take your calls here, especially if you've been personally affected. Minuka, Illinois, Carlos, hello. Hi, Dennis. How are you? And Merry Christmas. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, intriguing topic. Thank you so much. Long-time listener, second-time caller. Appreciate your wisdom and all that you teach. Thank you. Yeah, I'm a pastor. been a pastor for, my goodness, well, since 1988, whatever that adds up to in the math world. And four kids, my um, oldest son left uh, religion, Protestant pastor, um, I don't know how many years ago, eight, ten years ago, perhaps. Mm-hmm. How old is he? He's now 35. Right, go ahead. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just quickly, as I've talked with him over the years, well, I'll give you a quote. When we talked initially after he made this decision, mm-hmm. the quote the quote he said was, with my mind, I can be a good husband, good father, and a good citizen, and a good worker, with my mind. That was his, uh, his plea, his conviction, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I just, as I've talked with him, and, and we still have, you know, we have a very loving family, and so we're, we're still connected in all those ways. But I just see that his heart is what's turned. I to try and, and change his mind or appeal to his intellect, um, and I tried early on especially, uh, is just not going to work. There was a heart change, which then left him nowhere to go except to his mind. Uh, I think when Moses said, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, uh, I don't think he was saying we shouldn't love the Lord our God with our mind, but I think it's fascinating that he starts with heart soul, strength, this kind of passion and part of us that just needs to be dedicated in a very deep way. If I spoke to your son, and I said to him, "Uh, do you believe that uh, men give birth? What would he say? Oh, he would say no. Okay, good. So then if I said to him, I just want you to know 
that the only people who say men give birth are irreligious people, are secular people. What would he say to that? Um, not quite sure. He probably might challenge it. He's a he's a thinker, an intellectual, so he he would engage. Not quite sure what his answer would be. Yeah, I'm not quite uh, sure what it would be either. But yeah. uh, I, uh, by the way, will you be together with him for Christmas? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And, and he is he he has he's married with children. Yes. That's terrific. So uh, I just want you to know, since I deal with this so so often. You know, you also have grandchildren you might be able to touch through him. Just six of them. Through him. He's got one, then the other kids. Oh, okay, yeah, well, I'm talking about him, because he's the one that, yeah. uh, that uh, as it yeah. were. Listen, I wish you a Merry Christmas. I thank you very, very much for calling. That his statement to his father is exactly what I have been hearing all of my life. I can be a good person without religion, which of course is true. There are good people without religion, but it is a meaningless phrase. Nobody has ever claimed it is impossible to be a good person without religion. The Bible itself notes, Noah was a righteous man. He he, uh, he didn't have religion as, as, as far as we know it. Certainly not biblical religion. There was no Bible. Of course it's possible. The, the, the question is not whether it's possible for an individual here or there to be a good person without the Bible. The question is, is a society going to remain good without the Bible? We are not. The society is in every way worse than it was when it was more religious. Well, not every way. Obviously, the race, the race issue has... We don't have any Jim Crow laws any longer. That is correct. And by the way, for those who say, well, this religious country had slavery, correct. But it's also the religious who ended slavery. That's more germane to the issue. One eight Prager 776 Hi, everybody. Merry Christmas to you. Yeah. Of course, you can be a good person if you're not religious. There were good people who believed in Zeus, but they weren't good because of Zeus. There have been good people who have believed anything and everything. They were good Wiccans. But it's hard to argue that the belief in witches makes you a better person. Talking about a society continuing, not how any given individual behaves. The chaos that you're seeing, the ruining of children's lives by telling them that they could be a boy or a girl, this all emanates from the secular, indeed the anti-Bible crowd, the crowd that has contempt for Bible belief. I make this case to people. I don't argue as much for God's existence as I do for God's necessity. That's, so that's an approach that 
a lot of religious people don't take that I would advocate. Okay, Pinkney, Michigan. Steve, thank you for calling. Uh, thanks, Dennis. Hey, um, a few points. Uh, well, well, first, let me just say, you, you have often said that uh, it's important that we allow nuance in a conversation that the left doesn't and that conservatives do. And uh, in that light, I'd like to offer a little nuance. And I would say that um, what the left does with this uh, sexual identity is that they deny reality and they start to think irrationally. And I would, uh, if, if you said that Christianity uh, helps to tether people to a positive reality, I think that's true. But I don't think you need religion to have that. So to, to break from reason, as the left does, with, with so many things nowadays, whether it's gender identity, race, so many things, there, there's just the, the whole thing that feelings become facts to them. It's also a break with reason. And there are many cultures without religion uh, that still are, are well tied to rational thinking. Well, na- name one. Uh, I, I would say perhaps Japan, because I, I have lived there. And while it is a somewhat religious country with Buddhism, it's not a very central part of most people's lives. Mm-hmm. And so what keeps look- people tethered in Japan uh, is uh, the shame culture that has cre- been created. The nail that sticks out is hammered back in. I think it's a Japanese saying or some variation of that. And it didn't uh, didn't work very well in the uh, half first half of the 20th century. The Japanese in Asia were very, very similar to the Nazis in Europe. They used human beings and cut them open for medical experiments in the Chinese. They are the ones who, uh, who had the uh, women as uh, sex robots, basically, with the comfort women in the, in the Philippines and in and Korea and China. Well, I, I'm aware of these things, of course, but nevertheless, we, I mean, we could point to the Nazis, too. I mean, that's You're right, but the, nobody would argue that the Nazis were Bible-based. Okay, but anyways, uh, to leave that subject and move on just a little bit, I think it's also helpful to say, well, what is a, a good, uh, what is it, how do you measure objectively the goodness of a culture or of people? Well, the, it, do you really mean that that's a perplexing question to you? You just called in to tell me that there are good cultures without uh, without being Judeo-Christian, and now yeah. you're saying, how do you measure goodness? But you're well, the, yes, didn't that, you measure goodness in your opening statement? No. Is no, it perplexing I, to you what's a good culture, where, where, where people treat no, each no. other with integrity? No, it isn't. Oh, so no, why did you ask so it? I'm, I'm not. I'm not I'm arguing. Asking, I'm, I'm, what I'm asking is, how how do we go beyond our opinion and just to say, well, these people seem good to me. Like, what are the objective things that you would measure? So I could offer a few things that you might measure. What is the murder rate in this country? What is the rate? Yes, of, I uh, agree with you. Well, let, let, let's hold it. Let, let's stop there for a moment. You're right. What is the murder rate among churchgoers? Oh, probably quite low. Okay. So why doesn't that make my case? I'm, I'm looking at the broader culture. So I'm no, the broader culture. No, there, there's no such thing as the broader culture. The the broader culture is increasingly secular, and people are are, are worse than ever. 
There, there is not a single argument that America is morally better thanks to the decline of religion. Look at the universities. Universities well, are moral wastelands, and they hate, they hate religion at the universities. I agree, but I also think that what they have also done is become irrational. You're right. Isn't that amazing? So isn't that a, an, a remarkable thing? That when people leave the Bible, they even leave reason? Not that everybody who believes in the Bible is rational. I never argued that in my life. But when people leave the Bible, you have the single most irrational institution in America is the university. The single most morally rotten is the university. And it's the most secular. That alone should make the case for the rational of the necessity. Not not the not the not the, the the given reality, the necessity for a biblical based religion. I'm glad you called because this was that's you, uh, those are exactly the arguments that I uh, that I have uh, that I address all the time. Okay, let's uh, let's see who else we have here. Uh, Marnie in Atlanta, Georgia. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi, Dennis. Merry Christmas. Thank I was you. with you and your crew four years ago in Israel, and you were just my mentor. You're just incredible in my rock, you and your beautiful wife. Oh, well, thank you for that. Me. All right, so hold on. I don't want to interrupt your the flow of your conversation. I'll take you in a moment. Back in a moment. MyPillow is excited to bring you their biggest bedding sale ever, just in time for Christmas. Get the Giza Dream Bed Sheets for as low as $29.98. A set of pillowcases only $9.98. Rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. They also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles. They even have blankets for your pets. Get duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. All of the biggest discounts ever. They're also extending their money-back guarantee for Christmas until March 1st, 2024, making them the perfect gifts for your friends, your family, and everyone you know. So go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code Prager or call 800-761-6302 and you'll get huge discounts on all MyPillow bedding products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets for as low as $29.98 and get all your shopping done now while quantities last. MyPillow.com, promo code Prager. Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. This is my song. I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. Have a holly jolly Christmas. And when you walk down the street, say hello to every you know and everyone you meet. That's the one. Hello, everybody. It's the Happiness Hour on the Dennis Prager Show. Yep, indeed. Right before Christmas. So, in keeping with the theme, I'm going to talk to you about religion and happiness. And it's a huge topic because religious people, in our society at any rate, are happier. I don't know. It's an interesting question. In Iran, are religious people happier than non-religious people? 
the dominant religiosity of Iran is so sick, twisted, uh, and twisted that it's hard to imagine that they're happy. To a certain extent, they're certainly, uh, I guess, satisfied. But I don't know about happy. Happy ayatollahs. The word happiness does not strike one immediately when you think of Khomeini or Khamenei. So my argument here is in our society, specifically Western society, and even more specifically American society, every single poll I have seen, including those conducted by secular institutions, reveal that religious Americans are happier than secular Americans. So the question on the table is, why? And I'd like to offer some thoughts. By the way, there are religious people who are not happy and who carry their religion with such heavy weight that it is, uh, it is a burden uh, that uh, is actually injurious to their happiness. I acknowledge that as well. If there were the clearest route to goodness and happiness, well, there is a fairly clear route, I guess. But if it was abundantly clear to everybody, then everybody would take it. Well, maybe that's not true. That isn't even true. People don't take the the wise route in many cases. Be that as it may, my question today is not whether religious people are happier. It is why are religious people happier? I take it as a given in our society that religious people are happier, and every poll indicates that that is the case, as I noted earlier. So let me give you some reasons why I believe religious people are happier. By religious, I mean actively engaged in some aspect of religiosity, Bible study, prayer, communal activities under the rubric of a church or synagogue. So here are, in no order of importance, some of the reasons I believe that in America religion tends to make people happier than people who have no religion or who have abandoned it or whatever terminology one wishes to use. And it's not in order of importance, it's just in order of the of what comes to my mind having thought about this prior to the show, prior to this hour. First it gives you a community and I don't know what secular communities exist. Can you name a secular community? No, I'm very, I'm very serious about that, and it's, uh, if you can, I'd like you to call in. There were, um, much more so, but the, then that Harvard professor wrote the book about 30 years ago, Bowling Alone. It became uh, an instant classic, as it were. What his thesis was, more Americans are bowling than ever, but fewer are bowling in a bowling league or with a team. 
and they are bowling alone. What communities exist that are not ultimately connected to religion? I'm, try, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm actually trying to think of some. Maybe you, maybe you can. And it's, you know, Americans were deeply attached to non-governmental organizations. They're now called NGOs, and they have a different role, but that's what they literally were. So, for example, you, you might be a member of a barbershop quartet or a glee club if, if music animated you. That's true, and that might not necessarily have been affiliated with religiosity. But it is interesting that as America has become more secular, even the secular communal activities like the barbershop quartet has demised in, in in its diminished in its appeal so one argument about why and that's the theme of the happiness hour today why are religious people happier is it gives you a community it it, it isn't even directly related to faith but it gives you a community my dad was a member of the Synagogue Brotherhood. My mother was a member of the Synagogue Sisterhood. So my dad got together with other men regularly, thanks to the synagogue. He also had a a Bible study group with uh, members of the synagogue. And couples would get together, and they wouldn't only talk Bible. It served a communal purpose. They got together at one of their members' homes, I I think every month. I don't think it was more often than that. Many people do it every week, but they did it every month. And whoever hosted prepared some very elaborate, not a whole meal, but as far as I recall, but refreshments. So generally coffee, tea, cakes, pastries, and, and the like. And it it was a very bonding experience, plus just getting together every, in our case, Saturday, and obviously dominant culture is Christianity on Sunday. That assured a certain level of of communalism that was increasingly unavailable in secular life. Loneliness is a is a pandemic. It is in some ways it's as destructive even health-wise as the COVID pandemic uh, having friends what is it they say having friends is equivalent or not having being a being lonely is equivalent to smoking what is it a pack of cigarettes a day or so they made some funny I mean it's not funny in its effect but it's it's funny to think about so as I always tell people, make friends and then go smoke. You know, they'll balance each other out. One eight Prager seven seven six. Of course, of course, you're more likely to have a community if you share religious faith. Just to deny that is is to really tell oneself a series of fibs, which is sweet word for lies. 
A second reason I believe that happy uh, that religious people are happier than non-religious people is hope. Religious people have hope. The secular outlook is literally hopeless. What do you hope for? You're going to die, and that's it. Everybody you know is going to die, and that's it. Jews and Christians who who have a religious faith, whatever their denomination, but anybody who's on a Bible-based religion has faith that there is something after this life. Yes, not only Christians, by the way. A lot of Christians don't know that because a lot of Jews will say that they don't believe in an afterlife that you live on through your good deeds. A, a, a very sweet, meaningless, utterly meaningless statement. Uh, if, if you die at the age of five, how many good deeds do you live on with? I mean, just among the many, many obvious refutations of that nonsense. Either you live on or you don't live on. Anyway, bad deeds tend to live on more than good deeds. But yes, Judaism utterly affirms an afterlife. Back in a moment. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. I got shiny bells that jingle and tiny lights that tingle. Whenever anyone passes by, I blink my light. Okay, okay, everybody. Arguments for why religious people are happier. I gave two. Community and hope. The secular worldview is a hopeless one. It's a a world in which luck, good luck, and bad luck dominate. I believe that there is good luck and bad luck, but I also believe that there is a God who writes these wrongs, and that's a big difference. From a secular individual, you die and it's over, bye-bye. You have no contact with any loved one ever again, ever, for eternity. It's not exactly hope-filled. And I gave the communal challenge. Here's a third one. Who's more likely to have a child that gets married, a religious person or a secular person? Among the secular, marriage is now dismissed often as useless. 
I don't know of a happier day in my life than when my sons got married. And then they, they hopefully are able to provide grandchildren. Okay, that, that's, that's a lot of stuff. The secular world increasingly doesn't. You know how many brainwashed young people don't have children because of the existential threat allegedly posed by global warming? The number is increasing. Why would I bring a child into the world only to be incinerated? The gullible and the brainwashable argue. Number four, meaning. Secular life provides meaning, but very often in a lousy way. Yep, all of the evils of the 20th century were meaning substitutes for religion. Nazism, communism, fascism, they were all substitutes for religion. That are secular religions. And the fifth that I would give for now, maybe more uh, ongoing, but I want to get to your calls, is order. Secular outlook is chaotic. Only secular people say that there's no such thing as male, female. You are what you think you are. That is the literal opposite of order. Male and female, he created them, is order. You are what you think you are is disorder or chaos. People living in chaos are not happier people. All right, everybody. Let's go to your calls. Pleasantville, Wisconsin. Hello, Ted. Hi. Hi, uh, Dennis. Here's an answer to your question about... about uh, um, what communities are there um, when there aren't, when there isn't religion? Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to me that sports um, has become a big substitute, and I especially think about um, parents that get that attend every single home and away game for their for their students, or even a- attend. I've had parents. Uh, sit in on forensics meets when I was coaching forensics. Um, and then and the, 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 um, the, the, the leagues and um, it, it's just, it's become, it's, a, it's like a new idol. Um, right, so that, you're, that, you're uh, not talking like, about fans of professional teams or college teams. You're talking about, no. you're talking about the parents' involvement in their children's athletics. Exactly right. Okay, thank you. Huh. Well, there's a difference. I suspect that for many religious parents, it's not as central to their life as it is to secular parents. But but that doesn't make a community. It's not like these parents are getting together every week or every month at somebody's home and studying uh, the uh, the latest, uh, the last four games of their kid to figure out how the team could do better. By the way, if they do, it does provide somewhat of a community, I will, ad- I will admit. But uh, to say that it's not as deep as a Bible-based community is to understate the case. 
And how long will it last till the kid graduates high school? Then what do you do? I would think that that's dispositive. Northridge, California, Russ, hello. Yeah, hi, Dennis. Uh, yeah, I was going to suggest uh, secular community 12-step programs. You're right. Of which there are many. And, of course, they are God-based. Well, you don't start out God-based. I mean, it starts out a power greater than yourself. Well, that's the modern... The original big book spoke about God. That's true. That's true. Do you know that uh, Carl Jung had a big influence on the 12-step program? I did not know that. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Well, look, anyway, you're right. That's absolutely correct. The problem is to qualify, you had to be inebriated for some period of time in your life and not in control of it. So the admissions criteria are a challenge to happiness. But there is no greater admirer. I I can't believe there's a greater admirer of the 12-step programs than I. And I, I learned about it first through radio the wise statements that many said, and then through my son, who's now sober for seven years. Back in a moment. Happiness Hour, the one before Christmas. So it's about why religion makes people happier. I gave, what's my list of reasons here? How many? One, two, three, four, five, and there are more. Community, hope, Family, meaning, and order. The chaos, literal chaos, that we are engaged in is all the creation of a secular society. Only secular people believe men give birth. Only secular people believe that fewer policemen makes places safer. Only secular people believe that all black dorms is good for blacks and good for society. I can give you any number of uh, such beliefs. Uh, but uh, let's, uh, let's take uh, challenges and, and, and affirmations, if you will. Dominic in Dallas, hello. Hi, Dennis. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, and, of course, Happy New Year. Thank you. I, unless, I'm mis- unless I'm misunderstanding your question, I don't, I don't disagree with what you're saying. However, are there not other possible groups of happy people that don't have religion involved? What I'm thinking of is a uh, a knitting club, a senior senior citizen center, uh, a cigar shop that ha- offers memberships, book clubs, card playing clubs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. To me, the one word that you said is one of your five is community. Any sense of community that brings people together, regardless of if it's religious-based or not, does bring happiness to people. I agree. But there are far fewer communities today. Loneliness is an epidemic as society has gotten more secular. The number of people today who are members of nitty clubs I know Sean is a, is an avid member of a knitting club, but he is really the only person I know who is. Okay, good point. 
point well taken. You know what? You're special. <laughs> Those are my favorite people. I try to do that in life. I hear a good point. I go, you know what? You're right. It's right. Exactly. Yeah. The evidence is out there, folks. The secular community does not substitute for the religious community. Loneliness tends to, or at least aloneness. And sometimes the secular community that substitutes for religious communities is a bad one. The Communist Party substituted for religious communities. And all it did was evil staggering amounts of torture and murder. Yeah, the word genocide is thrown around, but that's what they did. Yep, the Nazi party was a substitute as well. They had all, they had their own holy days. They had their their own services, their own weddings. They knew that community makes people happier, but they gave them an evil community. 1-8 Prager 776. That's that's cute. By the way, somebody, what was it? They were, he's hung up. What, what was he saying? Oh, man. I just had it on the tip of my tongue. There was an, an oh, yes, that's right. That religious people are are not pursuing happiness, but it does provide, religion does more joy. In the beginning of my happiness book, Happiness is a Serious Problem, in the introduction I note, I never define happiness. It doesn't seem to me that anything, any definition is workable. Look up happy in the dictionary and is useless. I, I gave up. I mean, I gave up. I gave out. I wrote some of the definitions you will find in a dictionary, and it's it's not helpful. What is the difference between joy and happiness? It's I don't I don't have an answer to that. Let's so let's put it this way: there's more joy in a religious person's life if you don't like the word happiness than in most of secular life or secular people's lives. You're more likely to see your child get married which is for most people as joyous an experience as they will ever have in their life, assuming they like the in-law, which sometimes is a stretch. We return. The Dennis Prager Show. Come on, it's lovely weather, boys, lay right together with How you doing, everybody? Dennis Prager here. Everybody acknowledges religious people tend to be happier than the irreligious. The question is why? So I gave community, hope, family, meaning, and order. That's a lot. That is a lot. And let's go to more of your calls here. Hmm, that's humility. That's more on sports. That's an interesting one. Fort Worth, Texas, and Tim. Hello, Tim. 
Hey, Dennis, Merry Christmas. Thank you. And the um, the answer that I have discussed with my kids is, what do you believe in that's bigger than you that will outlast you and, and that kind of thing? So that's my answer to the question. I did want to say that there are communities, but it's very fascinating to your point, and I completely agree with you. The, there are communities, so I'm in a G club, but we do a lot of charity work. My nephew is in a, a barbecue club, actually here in Texas, there is such a thing, uh, but they feed the homeless and that kind of thing. And I think to the point of the earlier hour, and I'm, I'm interested, I'm sorry for rambling, but I'm interested in your thoughts. You're not rambling. The church has, the, well, thank you. <laughs> the church, I think, has tried to compete with the world in terms of entertainment. And and the, so 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 the Christian I'm speaking from a Christian perspective is that thing, these things now look like motivational speeches. Uh, and well said. And yes, like instead that. of the society modeling itself after the religion, religion is modeling Absolutely. itself after society. What a great point! Now tell me something, because Sean Sean sure. oh, got hysterical. He he so <laughs> wants to join a Jeep club. He has said that oh, to me. Yeah. He didn't oh. even know they existed. Oh, so tell, yeah. give me an example of a Jeep Club meeting. What happens? So so we get together on a weekend, usually in, in a place that allows us to either go off-road or have a, a good road trip. And we just talk about equipment and, and useless expenses and, and how much fun it is. And I look at yours and you look at mine and... And then mm. we do it again the next week. And, that and is we a very on, funny on statement, road. by the way. I look at yours and you look at mine. I won't go right. any, any further, but that's adorable. Thank, thank you. There's yes. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. But, Are there any female members of your Jeep club? Oh, sure. There are pink Jeeps that uh, that, that have stickers that say Jeep Girls Rule. And, and it's it's really a, it's a fascinating little microculture. And, I love it. Um, I, we probably... Yeah. We probably, and the Harley-Davidson is the same, and we probably have 75 to 100 people. Um, my, but my nephew's in a barbecue community where they literally hundreds of people every weekend compete with barbecue recipes and things like that. But That I, must, I that must be fun. It's a blast. It really, and I, I was blown away because I, I told him I, that it's a thing. But I am very interested because I think to the point of the church trying to compete, I think that's the reason for the success of yourself, PragerU, Jordan Peterson, is, is people ultimately, they, 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 they can get entertainment anywhere, but ultimately they still are seeking some meaning. That's a You're good. You are good. What, Does are you your wrong? wife think you're deep? Uh, well... <laughs> I have to tell you, I'm divorced um, because my wife thought I overthought everything. But my current girlfriend that I've, I've been with for several years, we love having these conversations. She loves listening to you. We've traded Prager U videos and, and all that. And so it, you've, you've got to, as you know, you got to find a kindred spirit. Yeah, um, well, uh, you, you sound very lovable. I, I, I really have enjoyed this talk. One, one final question well, from Sean, who's bugging me through my earphones. <laughs> Why, he wants to know what kind of Jeep you have. I have an, an old 99, 1999 Wrangler. It's a little two-door, and a, the, the Wrangler is the only way to go, so... <laughs> 
You know, the second you called, I was thinking the Wrangler is the only way to go. It, 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 we're kindred is, uh, spirits. It's, it's iconic. It's, it's it, like a Harley Davidson. It, it's yeah. iconic. Thank you, sir. It is a lot of fun talking to callers. It really, it truly is. One eight Prager seven seven six. I'll. I would like to know. I should have asked him. Too bad. I would like to know what percentage of the guys or women in his Jeep club are religiously active. Be very, very curious to get an answer there. We've got some lines open on a very important subject. Why are religious people happier? Why? Not are they. 877-243-7776. I have a few seconds to remind you about the Rational Bible. It's a magnificent gift, and it's life-changing. My commentary on three of the first five books of the Bible, the fourth one coming out next year. We wish you the happiest, the happiest, the happiest, yes, the happiest. We wish you the happiest, the happiest, the happiest New Year. May your tree be filled with happiness, happiness and friendliness for all. May your heart be filled with cheerfulness, happiness and Let Dennis be Dennis. We wish you the happiest. Hey, everybody. It is the final hour of the Dennis Prager Show prior to Christmas. Well, mm, so this is the hour where you set the agenda, whatever's on your mind about you, about me, about life, about death, and of course about fountain pens, audio equipment, photography, cigars, and classical music. Yeah, I even talk about other stuff, but I want you to know that I'm into that. Yes. Last night I was listening to my my yacht. I don't have a yacht. I don't have an airplane. I don't have a second home. But I do have quite an audio system. There are times when it actually approximates live. And you get the chills. Okay, everybody, what's on thine mind? And I will go straight to thine calls. All right, let's see. Mary in Texas and Roger. Hello, Roger. Hello there. Hi. How you doing today? Well, my standard answer for a number of years is better than my country. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Hey, uh, I wanted to let you know I'm an atheist. And I was actually raised as a Christian and lost my faith when I was, I don't know, about around 2004. And I think I'm just as happy as the next guy. May may very well be. Okay, but you think that religious people are happier? I don't think it. Based on everything and on every study by secular people, by secular pollsters, that's the case. But it doesn't mean it's like uh, cigarette smokers live 
shorter lives than non-cigarette smokers. But there are cigarette smokers who live till 100. So the existence of exceptions doesn't negate the general rule. Okay, where did you get your information from? I mean, were there studies that oh, you... Oh, yeah, uh... well, you look it up. Seriously, I, I, I give you my word, so I'm, I'm really putting my, my credibility on the line here. If you put in studies about the happiness of religious people or are religious people happier, make it even more clear, you will just come up with study after study published in secular journal after secular journal. The the uh, the standard answer of the non-religious is not that it's not true. It's that it's true because uh, the religious people live in a make-believe world, and that make-believe world makes them happier than we realists who are not religious, and we have to confront the fact that, for example, when we die, it's over, whereas they believe when they die, it isn't over. And, and that by the way, is one of the reasons. You can say the religious are deluded, but you can't say that they're, they're not happier. Okay. The thing that came up in some conversations was if you don't have a God in your life, then your life doesn't have any meaning. Well, let me, no, uh, there, there is... Let me, let me re... I could restate that with just <laughs> removing one word. Uh, your if there is no God life has no meaning but your life you can definitely invent one to keep you from going nuts and that's what people do they, they make up a meaning that's what existentialism is about but life doesn't have any meaning Does let me ask you do you believe that uh, that rocks on Jupiter have meaning only to Jupiter. <laughs> Only to Jupiter? Is that what you said? Well, unless we can get a hold of some, maybe they'd have some meaning down here. But at the present time, they would mean nothing except to the planet Jupiter. Okay, but Jupiter doesn't care about its own rocks. I mean, I, 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 and I'm sure you would agree with that. So my, my point is very simple. If there is no God, there is no difference in terms of meaning between our lives and the, and the life, if you can use the term, of a rock, not, if you don't like, Jupiter on Earth. The difference between us and an ant is that we have self-consciousness, and to the best of our knowledge, an ant does not. Therefore, we ache for meaning, ants do not. But neither of us has ultimate meaning. You can make up one, and you should make up one. The problem is that many secular societies do make up meanings, and they're bad ones. When Christianity has failed, the substitutes have not been all that positive. And I say this as a Jew. When Christianity failed, we got Nazism and we got Communism, the greatest mass murder machines in the modern world. That's 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 pretty important if you care about human beings. All right, my friend, I hope you continue to be happy, and I mean that sincerely. Cleveland, Ohio, and Karen. Hello, Karen. 
Hi, Dennis. It's nice to talk to you. My um, concern is about your book mm-hmm. and the audio parts. Is that available in your store, and is it um, a percentage off? Because I can't find it through the libraries. It's very difficult to get a hold of on a, on a loan. Oh, that's interesting. I, I only know about it's – it's an audio book, the, a regular audio book through – uh, audible at, at Amazon. That is the the only audio uh, capability. Is that beyond your your means at this time? Is that the issue? Um, no, it's that I don't deal with Amazon for, because I don't want to give them my money. Right. I've uh, tried so, oh, well, that's very. That, you tried through what? I'm sorry. The library system, yeah. and it's very difficult. That's to right. Get a hold okay. Of each so you, th- this is a great example. I'm with you. I, whenever I can, I buy from uh, the maker of a product rather Correct. than from uh, if I buy. Well, c- certainly if I spend a lot, like on a camera, uh, I'm into <laughs> photography. I go to a local store. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't even want to order that by mail from anybody. I want to give my local store the business and keep it in business. So I'm I'm totally in sync with you. However, between uh, you, this is all of life. Between you have to weigh. You have on the one hand your annoyance with Amazon, which I share, and on the other hand, a desire to study the, the greatest texts ever written, uh, and. Uh, to me, there's there's no question. This is an example. All right, I'll give I'll give my I don't know was it fifteen dollars I don't know what it is uh, for uh, the audible of Dennis Prager's book or or other people's books. I get audible like crazy. That's my single biggest purchase from Amazon because there's no other place to go. Do you have you don't have it at your store then? Oh, I, an audible, yeah, because the only audible they could sell is the one that Audible made. <laughs> so I, they, they would I didn't know they, that was yeah I, I to the best of my knowledge they sell on the other hand they sell what Amazon doesn't which is an autographed copy in hardcover okay but yeah well thank you for asking the book is the the rational Bible I, I promise it will enrich your life it might it might even change your life in the best sense oh God I'm telling you some of these calls are are just perfect. Oh, this is going to touch me, I think. Yukaipa, California. John, hello. Hi, Dennis. Uh, I was going to say how you doing, but I know you're doing better than our country. <laughs> well said. I just wanted to let you know that uh, I took your advice that you gave, oh, I don't know, maybe it's been a month now. Right, well, exactly. I guess it was after October 7th. To get a mezuzah and put it on our doorpost to let the world know that we stand with Israel. So we got it today, actually, and we put it up this morning. You really made my day. I'm, I'm very touched. Obviously, you're not you're not a Jew, and that, that's, that's who I appeal to in this. So are, are you a Christian or just a, a non-Jew? Well, I was raised in the Catholic Church, uh, and I don't really go to church anymore. Um, we have gone in the past to a um, uh, evangelical. Uh huh. But all right. Chapel. But it's not. It's not operative. So God listen, just truly God bless you. So send me a picture of you and your wife if you have one. 
can't be home, sweet home. Hello, everybody. It's the hour you set the agenda, whatever's on your mind. And fascinating. I'm telling you, I love it because the there are so many different subjects here. Des Moines, Washington? Is that possible? It must be Des Moines, Iowa. I think there was a mistake here. Des Moines, Iowa, correct? No, Des Moines, Washington. Really? Des Moines, Washington. I boo-booed it. And and the... And here... Wow. Sorry. And and here in in Washington, we say a Z sound at the end. Des Moines. Because the absurd helps keep you sane, you know. Yeah, you're good. You're a good listener. Good man. (laughs) All right. Hello, Des Moines. Yes. So get a get a pen and a sticky note, or you know, since you actually have a producer, unlike some Salem hosts we know, he can play this back for you. Get a plaque made, whatever. I want to use sola scriptura to tell you that you are not going to hell. Very interesting. In clearly, Go, I hear every word you're saying. Go ahead. Um. So here we go. I want to. I have a lot to say, so I want to get to it. Uh, you gave me insight as to why someone who trained under Galmiel would have penned these words. Uh, you know, you know from the Gospels that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and none come to the Father but by me. And you also, I'm sure, have heard that if you deny me before men, you, uh, I will deny you before the Father. Right. And I've li- I haven't heard every episode that you've, you've uh, spoken, but... From what I can tell, you have not crossed the line. You, you're very respectful of Jesus. And uh, you said, well, there's reasons. I think the closest you came was, well, there's reasons to we might believe he's not the guy, but you haven't, you know, in my mind, crossed the line. And so some of this is my opinion. So a guy called in a couple of years ago and said he was struggling with his faith because he was told by private conversations or from the pulpit, I don't know which, that he struggled with his faith because he was told that you were going to hell. Uh, or people like you, and I, at first I was really sad, and then I started to get ticked. And here's the thing I would like you to write down, or Sean McConnell, you know, m- make you a plaque or something. Uh, here it is, Romans chapter 2, verse 12. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law, and all who sin under the law will be judged by the law, for it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. And yes, it's so ironic. I can't believe I'm, I'm I'm rereading the New Testament, and I actually just did Romans 2 two days ago. Are you kidding me? It's, it's, I, it's beyond belief ironic that you should pick okay. that chapter. So I, I believe this is inspired by the Lord, what's happening right now, and I have my little ribbon in my Bible when I went to call you. Right, but like, okay, so off. that's all correct, but of course, if you get, uh, I believe, to Romans 3, then, you know, if you could be saved without Christ, then he died in vain. Oh, so so here, that, I think the most critical thing is if you don't deny Jesus, and I, 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 everything I've heard you say, you don't. Oh, that's interesting. So you don't, you're saying to me as a Christian, don't mm-hmm. think that all non-Christians, by sola scriptura, by scripture alone, mm-hmm. are 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 damned or have no chance for salvation that you're that's what you're saying to me despite so i want to finish okay go ahead yes. 
Go ahead. Uh, Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law unto themselves, even though they do not have the law written on their hearts. Their conscience is also bearing witness after, you know. So anyways, basically, if they're doing the basic tenets that the, the law is requiring, it is though, you know, basically they're not everyone who confesses the name of Jesus. So is Abraham going to hell? You know what I mean? Like, 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 really, let's think about this. And uh, so what I really want to say is if you are teaching from your pulpit, I'm going to use your radio show as a platform. If you're teaching from your pulpit that people like Dennis Prager, I'm going to try not get emotional. Or if you're teaching from your pulpit, that people like Dennis Prager are going to hell. Shame on you. Read your scriptures and mean it. And you're obviously coming from a believing Christian viewpoint, yes. correct? Yes. Okay. Well, it's it's worthy of its of at least an hour on radio. It's it's hard to uh, answer on behalf of of the New Testament here. It seems that that what people are saying is is accurate. I hope you're right, but then you do confront the issue. If one can be saved without belief in Christ, then why did why did he die for people's sins? It came upon the midnight clear that glorious song of You know, it's amazing. It is Christmas of 2023. It's surreal. It was just January 2023. In two weeks, it's January 2024. Do as much good as you can while you're here, folks. That's the uh, conclusion to be drawn. Let me summarize your calls if you hang up. I can't summarize your call. Don in New Jersey, Christmas lights on your house make people happy. I agree with that entirely. That's why I'm I'm a very, very big believer in people putting up uh, decorations, lights, especially the lights. That is correct. It does make people happy. There's an anti-joy element to secularism. Here's a question that 1% of you will even understand, let alone care about. But I will read it anyway. When I travel, that is Dennis, do you, Dennis, use cartridges in your fountain pen or do you take a bottle and fill the pen? (laughs) We do cover a lot of subjects on this show. I tend to take the bottles. Uh, Let's see. Uh... Russ in Phoenix wants to challenge the person who said you have to be Christian to be saved. Well, that person who called in said you didn't. That was his point. I thought you did. I'm going to do an hour on that, uh, Russ, maybe next week even, maybe on the Ultimate Issues Hour, so I hope you'll call in. And let's see. David in Shutter, Shelter Island, California. Do you have an ethical concern that you are autographing your book on a label that is put in the book and not 
Let's see. I assume I know what the question is. And not the book physically itself. You know, I have thought about that, to be honest, David. But there's no way I can sign a thousand books uh, when they're located in uh, Washington and I'm here. Uh, People know that it's my signature. I will tell you this. Many people have suggested that I get an automated signature stamp or something that I would never do. It, it actually, it is me signing my name. And it takes a long time to sign all of those that are put in the book. But it's a legitimate question. What is my choice? Well, my friends, it, Monday is Christmas. I won't be on. I wish you a Merry Christmas, a meaningful Christmas. I hope your family enjoy one another, and I know you will enjoy your friends. I'll see you after Christmas. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, Every single day, become a member of Pragertopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at Pragertopia.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.